0: I personally believe God loved me enough to still call me like still and it took maybe a little more pain and suffering I guess worldly suffering you could say Um, I was in the hospital nine times I was about 30 pounds lighter than I am now at my weakest Um, I needed a blood transfusion at one of the hospitalizations because I lost so much blood and so I I think that is true Um, that he gave me an opportunity to respond and I didn't and he still loved me enough to um, basically put his finger on what was really keeping me from him.
1: Welcome into the harvest. This podcast is dedicated to helping you be a disciple and make disciples in modern day life. Uh, we cover just practical ways of following Jesus and sharing him with others. And today I'm excited because I've got a local legend, uh, my friend Brian Trainer, who is with us, and he's going to be sharing with us some lessons he's learned about discipleship and disciple making. So Brian, welcome on to the show. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, we've been talking about doing this for a little while, so um, I'm glad... We're making mm. it happen. You stay very busy, and we're going to talk a little bit about your testimony and mm. the story of what God has done to, to bring you to where you are today and to give you the heart that he's given you. But why don't we just start off? I know you've got uh, some information here, but why don't I just throw it to you? Why don't you tell our audience a little bit more about who you are and uh, what you're up to these days? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew, and thanks. to Good to be here with everyone today
0: and hopefully for time. It's awesome that we can record these things and uh, get the information out. So like I said, my name is Brian. Uh, I am uh, 31 years old. I'm here in San Diego. Uh, I was born in upstate New York, uh, joined the military after going to West Point um, for college. At that time, I was a runner, collegiate runner that switched to triathlon. And um, that was really became my identity was as an endurance athlete and put a lot of uh, hope, I guess, into that and time and effort. And Shortly after college graduation, I was hit by a car and fractured my femur. Um, I also had a head injury and a separate injury right around that time. And shortly after I was diagnosed with an inflammatory condition called um, ulcerative colitis, which is an autoimmune inflammatory bowel disease. And so that has um, was the first thing that I faced that a doctor, a the first one that diagnosed me said, there's no known cause, there's no known cure, and there's really nothing you can do except maybe this medication will help. And so as a 22-year-old facing something that up to that point, it seemed like if I worked harder, if I did better, I could overcome or at least um, achieve and had control over that. So to face something without control is what led me to uh, start questioning who I was and what this life was all about. And in that process, um, I did pray. Um, I said, God, I need your help. I don't really know you, but I need you. And this was after meeting some Mormons, which is an interesting story in uh, Salt Lake City. But God answered that prayer in in a way that I could have never imagined. Um, A week later, he put a guy named Zach Abrams in my life. Um, Zach at the time was an army officer at uh, Fort Lewis, uh, Joint Base Lewis-McChord. And he was the first one to, uh, second person to truly share the gospel with me. Um, First person to be close enough to my life. He was in my unit. God orchestrated everything for him to not only be able to share with me, Love me the way that I really needed to be and help me, um, get in the word for myself. So for me, having, um, actually reading the Bible, I'd been going to church as raised Catholic and, um, also even explored other churches after that. And I'd always kind of been told, um, given, given a book to read or, um, something like that. And it wasn't until, um, Zach really helped me start reading the Bible for myself and diving in that my journey with faith and with Jesus truly changed. Um, and so in that process, uh, I did get medically discharged from the army. Some of those uh, things, I was able to put band-aids on long enough, especially the gut stuff to make it by and continue to try to race and things like that, but eventually got hospitalized, was about to have my large intestine removed, um, started the medical discharge process, um, still held on for about three and a half years of service um, and learned a ton during that time. But. Uh, by the end it was pretty clear um, that my physical ability my physical ability was not my identity um, <laughs> God used the verse second uh, Corinthians 4:16 says though our outer selves are wasting away our inner selves are being renewed day by day and and I experienced that that I, in fact it was almost easier and it was almost better to be following Jesus laying in a hospital bed than it was doing my my other my old life um, <laughs> and the, the peace I experienced I I've never experienced before. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's that's really my testimony is that my physical ability doesn't define um, who I am, it's that Jesus defines who I am and that he's given me a new life and a new identity. And that was seven or eight years ago now. So mm. um, there is a life I now live. Galatians 2.20 was the first verse that someone ever shared with me that did um, pierce me to the heart and made me start thinking about what that meant to live a life of faith. Um, so that's kind of my testimony. Um, I guess the, the now, I guess I could share. Um, I did get out of the Army. I moved down here to San Diego. was fortunate enough to have met you, uh, I think, about a year before I moved down. And um, I consider you my spiritual great-grandpa in many ways, <laughs> since uh, I know you basically commissioned passed the JBLM ministry on to Mike Chong. Mike Chong was investing in um, Zach Abrams, and Zach Abrams was the one who really Um, God used to bring me to faith. And so kind of moved down here to be, moved in with my great grandpa and (laughs) your ministry. And and, uh, so since then I've plugged in more fully with the San Diego navigators, the Navy navigators, learned that God does in fact love the Navy down here. Um, (laughs) But down here, the fact that the harvest was plentiful was always clear to me. Once I caught the vision, December, 2014 or so, the harvest was plentiful, was clear. Like Mm. I saw that. but the laborers were few was not that clear. In part from a lot of the work that um, the Lord has used you and others at JBLM, there were there was a decent number of laborers. And I couldn't see that as a young man, that the laborers were few. The idea that there, hmm. there weren't enough people representing Jesus. And so when I got here, um, we have an incredible ministry also, but it was younger, I would just say. It was probably the best way to compare them. and. I was more senior at that point in my faith too. And not that seniority matters, but that there were young men that were coming even to Bible studies, um, going to churches locally that weren't being fed more or less. The idea that the laborers were few and that in fact, God may want to use me in that way, became more clear down here.
1: Yeah, it's, uh man, there's so many places we could go with that <laughs> and, and hopefully we'll get a chance to dive into more of them, um, different components. but. It seems to me that you've already touched on a few themes that I, I hope folks will pick up from this conversation. So one is just the importance of having your identity uh, transferred from whatever it was before Christ mm. to this new creation in Christ and, and what he says about who you are and his purposes for your life. Mm. Um, and then secondly, making the shift from being a follower of Jesus to being a follower who has a heart to help other people Begin to follow him, and so a disciple who makes disciples, and I know mm. that's been a journey for you. But let's let's kind of stay at that first that first part on identity. Mm. It's it's really interesting to me that your identity was very much wrapped up in your your physicality as an athlete, as a competitor, um, and both through this accident of being hit by a vehicle, uh, and then diagnosed with at the time a, a pretty mysterious illness um, that pretty much took away that identity. Do you think that you would have, I guess, where do you see God's hand in that? Do you think that you would have followed the path that you have since if Christ had not allowed those difficulties to come? Yeah. Great question. Um, you know, I look forward
0: to finding out, seeing the replay, um, (laughs) you know, at some point and Jesus pointing out, um, how he was with me the entire time. I, I do believe, um, I always had faith. I always had faith. I believed in God. Um, just exploring what that meant for me was always somewhere on the to-do list. It always, like, I'm looking back at uh, even right. notebooks from when I was 16. I've, I've found, and that's um, explore my faith or you know learn more about God. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I if you asked me if I knew who God was, I would say yes. I'd been gone to catechism. I'd been confirmed. I'd listened to you know this many sermons, <laughs> but for me, um, the reason. I see God's hand in it, and when I was at West Point, my final year in college, there was a guy named Austin Wilson, who I'm really grateful for. He shared Galatians 2.20 and personally shared, just like this, across a desk, that Jesus loved me, and that he gave himself for me, and that he gave me this opportunity to have new life, and my identity at that point, um, I was training for the collegiate half Ironman championships, which I ended up winning. And that was my identity that fall was as a triathlete, Brian, the runner, the triathlete. Um, but he invited me. And I actually went to some Bible studies that year. Uh, I think it was Tuesday night and I would feel better. I would sing some songs. Um, but at that point, the, the small group or the breakout sessions were still about 20 people big. And I was more senior and West Point has a very hierarchical structure. Um, but the interesting thing is I was invited to go to the the winter conference, and I even signed up for it. Um, so that was the fall. So fast forward, that would have been January, Martin Luther King weekend. And I was even signed up, but between somewhere in November to January, I decided that, you know what? Nationals are actually coming up in April now, collegiate, um, the Olympic distance. I got to train that weekend. Yeah, so mm-hmm. somehow, I, even though I felt convicted, it was the first time I felt convicted to do something, was to go to this retreat. And turns out you were probably there Zach Abrams was there. I don't. Basically, some of the people that God still ended up <laughs> using in His grace and mercy, like I would have probably met that weekend, and uh, and who knows? But hmm. I actually believe I was given the opportunity to respond um, my senior year, and I I personally believe God loved me enough to still call me. Like still, and it took maybe a little more pain and suffering, I guess worldly suffering. You could say um, I was in the hospital nine times. I was about 30 pounds lighter than I am now at my weakest. Um, I needed a blood transfusion at one of the hospitalizations cause I'd lost so much blood. Um, and so I, I think that is true um, that he gave me an opportunity to respond and I didn't. And he still loved me enough to mm. um, basically put his finger on what was really keeping me from him.
1: Right. I just find it fascinating, uh, you know, the- the Bible talks about God gifting us and there are spiritual gifts, but I also think that God designs us. He wires us. He's guiding our development, even in our childhood and the, the experiences that we have, the people that we're exposed to at formative times in our lives. And, um, I, I see your life. And I think it's fascinating that you you know, being an athlete, being healthy, again, just the physical component of life has always been something that has stood out to me about mm. you. And even now, we were talking just before recording that you went for a swim uh, before coming over this afternoon to to do this podcast. I'm not and, training for anything, though, no. just mental. <laughs> just, <that's> <laughs> but that's just always been a big part of your life. And now, um, as a naturopathic doctor, mm. it's still a part of your life. Um, and I believe it's part of how God is using you and is going to be using you, not just... Um, in your work as a naturopathic doctor, but in that community, in that corner of the harvest, so to speak, where you're living for him. And really you're representing an all of life approach to being well-developed and healthy, mm. including the the spiritual dimension of being reconciled to God and connected to him through Jesus. But it's also interesting that a big part of how he got your attention and brought you to himself was through, um, the physical side of the struggles that you went through for, for several years. And, mm. and even today, I know that that's something that, that you deal with. So, um, maybe just some encouragement to our listeners that, you know, sometimes difficulties are coming our way and it isn't God's punishment necessarily. It's, it's mm. part of how he's guiding and developing us and and pointing us to where he's going to ultimately use us. Yeah. No, thanks. I, I,
0: I do appreciate you seeing that, because I I think it's true. And we've, I think, shared life um, here and there. And while I was here, so you get, it's cool to hear that um, observation. Um, Because I would say my, you know, I count my physical health as nothing but a gift at this point. I get to, like, I got to go Mm -hmm. swim today. I didn't have to. Um, I got to, um, you know, work out with guys that I am mentoring and discipling. Um, I get to wake up every day. It's a really amazing thing now. Whereas before I was not that I had to race triathlon, but it was it was kind of like people told me that's what I was good at, and I did it. Hmm. Um, and I will say, before we dive too much further, um, medical, you know, disclaimer, none of this is medical advice. If I mention any therapies or things that have helped me, uh, as I do have a license that is, uh, you know, could be at hand kind of thing. <laughs> um, so that, and then, you know, ask your doctor if, before starting anything that we talk about. Um, and the other one is too, um, you know, I know we're talking about healing in part and the work Mm -hmm. that God has done in regeneration. And that that is physical. And, um, you know, I have been prayed over. I have been, I have had faith to be fully healed. And, uh, and I don't, and I'm, I still, I, you know I fully believe in miraculous healing. And I also know that if I was, I believe if I was miraculously healed that the things that I've learned, I would not be an inch back doctor probably. I'd probably still be in the military. Mm -hmm. probably still be racing triathlon. I think I'd be doing my best to Mm -hmm. glorify God through that. Yeah. Um, However, because it took years to really get to healthier, um, God, I think has directed me in a different way. And like Mm -hmm. you're saying, I did get Mm -hmm. out, pursued initially conventional medical school. I was gonna go to osteopathic school at Liberty University and it was a great opportunity, Um, but it wasn't until I got here that the opportunity to really look at what naturopathic medicine is and the philosophy and see how fully that route, which is still a four year you know program. And you, I lived here when I was in that program and it's busy. Um, but it is, the naturopathic philosophy is one, mostly believers were at the founding in Germany in terms of the, what we now have as the philosophy of by medicine. It's, I would call it based on the natural laws that God has instructed and given us. Um, hmm. But yeah, so I, I think that my journey wouldn't be the same I don't discount miraculous healing. I pray for patients. I pray for healing. Um, I've seen and I've heard of um, miraculous healings. And so um, there wasn't that there were, so I I don't discount that. I know if people Mm -hmm. may feel that way. Um, And the other caveat is that I am the first um, Service Academy graduate to become a naturopathic doctor as far as I know. Mm -hmm. And so I've gotten, I would say a decent amount of it's not true persecution, but when people hear what I'm doing, um, you know, quacks, this and that, you know, not hmm. science, not evidence-based. And, uh, so I, I love that. I, I actually enjoy it at this point. Um, working alongside, I, I say what I do is more integrative medicine where I, as a naturopath doctor licensed, um, I work alongside medical doctors, nurse practitioners, mm-hmm. chiropractors, acupuncturists, um, therapists. And we, in that sense, um, and I always refer out if someone has a uh, condition that I don't know how to treat right. to a specialist. And so, I consider myself a, um, in some ways, a health coach. In some ways, a licensed biohacker. I know we've talked about that. Mm. And in some ways, a, um, you know, a primary care provider that can meet you and figure out who is going to be best and what is going to be best able to help you and that could be um, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, mm-hmm.
1: and it could be me that is right. gonna do that, that can help guide you, or it could be someone else. Someone else. So maybe just uh, in a nutshell, I know we could spend the whole hour <laughs> talking about this, but for, for those of our listeners who aren't as familiar with the naturopathic mm. medicine, or I don't know if you'd call it medicine, yeah. uh, the practice, um, what, how would you differentiate that from a traditional medical doctor?
0: Yep. Yeah, and I know you have a great appreciation for language and nuance. I do uh, like calling it conventional medicine or um, established, whatever you want to call it, because traditional medicine could imply more of like what we know from China or India or the cultures that have, you know, documented medical things from traditional. Um, but that that is the word that most people use. Um, and then so naturopathic medicine versus. Allopathic medicine is probably the best definition of the philosophy that guides most of conventional care these days, is that if you have a fever, for example, we give you an antipyretic to lower your fever. If you have a bacterial infection, we give an um, antibiotic, something to treat the opposite. Basically, the, the treatment is the opposite of what you have. Nature medicine, we do have those tools. I can prescribe medications when needed. I can um, send for a surgical consult, do anything that a family medicine doctor or provider in California can do. And that's good to have those tools. Um, but the philosophy at, at its core is really that the body was designed, that we were created to be healthy. We were designed, and of course there are exceptions when we talk about genetic abnormalities right. and things that we live in a broken world. and mm. um, But we do see that when you get a cut, for example, your body will heal it. If mm-hmm. you give it everything it needs, you don't need um, something to, stimulate the healing your body was innately designed and created for to be healing Hmm. and heal and to be healthy we were made in God's image and so the the core principle it's called the healing power of nature and we can take that and many people have in our modern day and they say healing as in from natural plants and um, remedies but the original philosophy was always the healing power of nature capital n meaning it's in your nature is in our nature to heal. And that is ultimately when I was reading that in our initial philosophy classes in school, it did resonate with me, um, Mm -hmm. because I I believe that, I see that every day. Um, And we may, you know, medications or things that block pathways from happening may give our body long enough to cause healing. For example, with my own health, I was put on an anti-TNF drug. So tumor necrosis factor alpha, um, know, basically can cause inflammation in the body. You can block that specific cytokine and about 50% of people with ulcerative colitis will get better. Hmm. The other 50% usually look for other options. Um, cause they don't like me. I didn't, it didn't change my life. Hmm. It didn't cause blocking that pathway did not allow my body long enough to heal. Um, so even the best medications, 90 plus percent of medications are antagonists. I mean, they block a pathway, the body still has to heal itself. Um, so, and also before that though, is removing obstacles to cure and setting the conditions for health. So if there's an obstacle, like we could give the best, um, you know, mental health treatments, but if you have a, if you have a stake in your head, we probably need to remove that before we, um, really treat your brain and, and see, you know, where it's at. So, um, right. so I'm big on th- those two things are the core. I would say, um, really identifying and removing the root cause. Yes. Um, treating the whole person is another one. Even though my gut was a big factor, the head injury I had before that, um, was actually very significant. My brain was no longer sending signals from the parietal to the frontal lobe, which is where we go from sympathetic to parasympathetic nervous system, um, activation and parasympathetic being that rest and digest mode. So, and I got that through, um, basically the first time I came to visit, second time I came to visit, when I was down here for a month in Orange County and would drive down, they really looked at my brain and the hardware. There was there was an issue and that was mm-hmm. actually affecting my gut. So I say that treating the whole person because even though it was a gut-based disorder and I was seeing gastroenterologists to treat me, focusing on the brain through NaturePag Medicine and uh, really did impact my gut and it continues to, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, this will be a good place for us to shift over. One of the conversations I've been wanting to have on the show for a while, and, and I think this episode is going to be a little bit different than than what we would typically have, but I think that's a really good thing because um, a lot of Christianity, and I would say especially uh, a lot of Christianity um, in the West, we've almost uh, separated the spiritual realm from the physical. Mm. And so I know for me, and I think for a lot of people, when we think about the spiritual world, we think of it as being disembodied. So there's my physical life and then there's my spiritual life. And these two are actually disconnected. But scripturally, um, that's actually not the case at all. Mm. Uh, In fact, we look forward to a future with a new heavens and a new earth. in which which righteousness dwells. Mm. Um, We're promised a a bodily resurrection. So these bodies will be transformed, but we will have bodies in the coming age. So it's not Mm. like we're just going to be floating spirits or somehow um, disembodied consciousness. Um, God is committed to this material world and he created us with physical bodies, and that was not an accident, and it's not something that he's given up on. It's not like it goes all the way back to this idea that um, that that Gnosticism is something that was a uh, belief system back in the early centuries of the church being uh, established and growing, and it it kind of bled into some of the beliefs of early Christians, and so the mm. I, the idea was that matter is inherently evil, it's, mm-hmm. it's tainted. And so it, it, it was to such an extreme that people would deny the, the um, incarnation, that Jesus was mm-hmm. a physical man, because how could God take on this, this evil matter, this, this evil body? Mm-hmm. So without going too much further down that road, I think that one of the big challenges we face as modern followers of Jesus is to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, um, which is our spiritual act of worship. And so you see this connection between me offering my body mm-hmm. um, and that being a spiritual act of worship. Uh, I would also say, if you look at some of the, I know I'm, I'm talking a lot here, so I'll try to wrap okay. it pretty quickly. If you look at some of the the basic practices of devotion, like mm. like fasting, for instance, it's a very, yes, it's a very spiritual endeavor, but at its core, it's it's a physical mechanism that I'm cho- choosing to abstain from some sort of uh, material nutrition so that I can focus myself more spiritually. Right. So um, having said that, what are some of the things that you've been learning, both from the way God's guided you over the years and then more recently, as you've really studied uh, the body and naturopathic mm. medicine and how has that I guess, influenced your view of discipleship and what it means to to follow Jesus and worship God with your body? Yeah, great question. Um, so yeah, I'm very passionate
0: about this subject. And I will say, um, you probably have gathered that I'm, I am more like practical in both my discipleship and even my faith. Like mm-hmm. usually there is, it doesn't take me long to know what the next step is for me. And I often step in that direction mm-hmm. and keep going. But um, I have, you know, I have looked more into, I think like you're saying, like, not that it's philosophy, it is, I think it applies and it's gonna help enhance our discipleship. You know, my own personal devotion to Jesus, especially as I look to, you know, I view my career, I guess, as tent making, just like Paul is a tent maker. It is a job. Um, if God called me to do something else tomorrow, I would do it. I would never see another patient. With that said, I do spend a lot of time studying the body and helping people. I say I, I help people physically so that they can grow, mature, and even evolve mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Hmm. And that is a um, one of my mission statements. And so, and God is using it. I see it, you know, I actually treat a lot of pastors, which is interesting. I don't know how they hmm. find me. Um, people find me through their church. It's, it's awesome. And I get to, and I also say giving hope to those that don't have hope. And that's pretty broad and that's physical, you know, hope that they can heal, mm-hmm. but also um, that their bodies are not the end all be all. With that said, I think that you absolutely um, are correct in that we are meant to, this is a temple that we've been given. It's a, uh, we've been created in God's image and that we have to be good stewards. I think that's really where I've focused in mm-hmm. on is that we've been, this is a gift. Um, any physical ability you have is something God's entrusted you with to, um and, I think people assume that, okay, Brian, you are a maybe a missionary. You're you're meant to be in the naturopathic field, in the medical field, to be a light. And that is true. I'm I strive for that and I pray for that opportunity. Flip side, I actually think part of this is true that I'm supposed to be in that world to translate, decipher, discern what um (laughs) to bring that to the Christian world, to bring the you know, yeah. well, I heard acupuncture is evil. Okay, well, let's let's look at it. Is it, you know, is, um, and yoga. And then I think we can unpack a lot of that. Hmm. Um, but I like to focus more on that. I'm sure you've talked through blood, pen, pencil on the podcast. But for me, what I like to focus on is blood. Anything that Jesus said or that he guided us in, that is blood. Like I'm willing to stand for, I'm not going to probably compromise on that. Mm-hmm. Pen and pencil. Pen is something that I, it's a it's a conviction um, I feel pretty strongly about but if someone encouraged me to white it out or if, if I learned something new, I would white it out and try to replace it. But pretty, I am using that to kind of guide some of what I do, um, the life I live. Pencil being a, uh, I would off- probably call it a preference. You know, Something that you know, I choose to take communion every Sunday instead of every day or month, once a month to do this in remembrance of me, as Jesus said. So anyway, um, I think in terms of our spiritual health, and our physical health, I do think it is probably in the pen range for most of where I stand on a lot of my convictions um, with that. Um, with it said, I think that, be, and that's in part because I meet my ministry with the military, I often find people that are too focused on their health right. or their physical appearance or their abilities. Right. However, um, I think the other side of it can be true. Where we're neglecting our, what we've been given. Mm. And how does that become worship? I think of it in a few ways. Um, do you mind sharing the greatest commandment um, that Jesus gave? And I wrote down Matthew
1: 22, um, just that. Do you mind sharing the verse? Yeah, so they asked Jesus, what is the, the greatest commandment? And he said, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength.
0: Mm. yeah. So I, I'm still learning how to do that with my soul. And I think we all are, um, hopefully. But the other, the other ones with all of your heart, with all of your mind and all of your strength, it's really interesting to think about. Um, if we're going to do that, if we're going to live that out, we actually, I think we might need to have healthy hearts, healthy minds, and I would say optimal, optimal health in terms of heart health, mind health, and at least strength. And I think if we look at that, um, that's really interesting to really maximize our health in those areas um, our cardiovascular health, the way our body moves blood and oxygen around the body to nourish the entire system. Um, our mind, the way that our our thoughts uh, influence our health. Um, mm. And the studies are fascinating if we wanna go down that route hmm. of looking into the research behind that. Um, but I actually think to to live out the greatest commandment, we we actually do need to be striving for health. And a lot of what I do is actually Helping people optimize their health so that dis ease doesn't have a chance. The mm. word disease actually used to be hyphenated until mm. about 1900. Um, it was dis ease. And so we didn't mm. just call it things and put labels on pathology, basically, is what disease now means. Mm. But disease used to mean lack of ease somewhere in the body. Um, there's a restriction, it could be in blood flow. That's the a lot of osteopathic medicine is based on restrictions in blood flow. A lot of chiropractic is based on restrictions in um, the nervous system mm-hmm. and the flow of electrons. Um, even this morning in a men's group I was at, the idea that the eye is the lamp of the body. If the eye is healthy, the whole body will be full, to, full of life. Um, it's interesting to think, we have more mitochondrial density in our eyes than the rest of our body. Uh, females have more in their ovaries when they're um, of childbearing age. Um, so that's one nuance to that heart is a close second, but it's hmm. interesting that the body, the Bible talks so much about both the eye and the heart. Hmm. Our mitochondria are basically our energy producing power plants in our cells. And a lot of people, uh, the research on mitochondrial health is fascinating. That's one of the main things I do is help people have enough energy to heal actually, and be healthy. And um, our brain uses a lot of energy. Our heart uses a lot of energy. And actually our eyes do too. So, and they all communicate. So that's the interesting thing. When our eyes get tired, usually our body will become tired too. Hmm. So I think that, long story short, I think we are called to optimize our health so that we can do what we're called to do, and in that sense, glorify God. And by by doing that, I I, I think it's a means to an ends to allow us to worship in other ways. But I actually do believe like. God cares about your body, like He cares about what you do physically, um, not just how you use it um, mm-hmm. to kind of go more into your point of this is your physical act of worship in Romans twelve one so right I know we kind of went through a few things, but you yeah. want to get me back on track Well, I do
1: think again, like this is a we're kind of bro- broaching a new topic here on the show, but it's one that I've wanted to talk about for a while, um, and I think there are different levels to it, like the one that you just mentioned you know, if we're going to pursue God with all of our heart, uh, all of our mind, all of our strength, mm. um, then, then we need to, the, the strength part of that is important. Mm. Um, it is possible to make too much of our bodies, but I think a lot of us, especially in, in our culture, and our society, again, we've sort of disconnected our physical bodies from, the idea of discipleship mm. and uh, I, I think that that's something that we should all try to to bring back under the Lordship of Christ, which which I think gets into two basic areas. One would be stewardship. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, we've been giving whatever you've been given, um, some of us are are born more athletic than others. Uh, some of us are born with uh, with uh, genetic disorders. So it's not that you, it's not that you're striving for perfect health. You are striving to be healthy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're trying, you're striving to be a good steward of the health that, that God has given you. Um, And so I think stewardship is one of it. I think this is why you see a connection between um, in, in, in the new Testament that leadership in the church was, was supposed to be entrusted to those who had first demonstrated, um, um, faithfulness in leading their families, mm, mm-hmm. um, and even though it's not—it's not exactly the same because we're, we're talking about our physical bodies, and that would be um, maybe more in the way of of social mm. faithfulness, demonstrated social faithfulness. But I, I, I think the principle is is similar. It's one of stewardship and demonstrating responsibility in everyone, no matter where you're at. Like even if you're not a, a, a parent. What you do have is a body. So the, the one thing that we can all steward and demonstrate that we value what God has given us and we want to take care of it and make the most of it are these, these bodies and this life, this physical life that God has given us. So stewardship is one. A second one I think is, is basic discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um, so so for instance, self-control and self-discipline. We we have talked about this before. You know, self-discipline is when you make yourself do something you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Self-control is when you choose not to do something you do want to do, mm. <laughs> um, either because you know it's not good for you or God has prohibited it. And many of us, were not developing our self-discipline and our self-control muscles, so to speak. Mm. The easiest way to do that, I believe, is through disciplining our, our bodies. Yeah. Being physically disciplined to either do things that we don't always want to do or choose not to do things that we do want to do. Those, those physical urges are, I think, the, the starting point of learning the spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. that I become more faithful uh, with my spiritual disciplines, um, or at least I, I, I put myself in a better position if I can be disciplined uh, physically then I put myself in a position to be more faithful spiritually. So I know we've got a few minutes left here. Um, I know you said that you you like to be practical. <laughs> and so we've been touching on um, the importance of the body and and being faithful as followers of Jesus with our bodies. What are some practical ways that you've in your own life tried to live this out or mm-hmm. some practical things that you would suggest to Our listeners that they could begin to make discipleship part of their physical daily lives and not just something that is a spiritual idea in their minds yeah that's that's awesome i i agree with everything you said and
0: i'm excited to expand on that um and get practical so the idea um yeah i definitely agree with the idea of self-control and self-discipline as being important um, the way that I would actually help someone do that, most likely starting out would be by helping them have enough energy to apply. I actually don't think that willpower needs to be the, uh, the I guess, the rate limiting step that doesn't allow, well, I was too tired, I was too weak or whatever the case may be. Um, if you have enough energy um, and you are seeking first the kingdom of God, you will be able to use that for God's glory. Um, so, and in the process, if you have enough energy to make the right decisions, basically on what God's telling you to do, Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean you will have unlimited energy. You're still, we are governed by the natural laws that were given to us. I think for our good, like we are meant to be asleep at night um, when the sun goes down and wake up probably with the sun. Um, some really practical ways are, I think they can be tied to what you're already doing. Um, you know, I do think that morning quiet time is hmm. if you look at just, I like to think of where are these top performers? Cause I'm more into optimal health. I really mm-hmm. use that to inform even how I treat sick people with diagnoses. Right. I say sick in the sense that again, dis-ease. I'm looking at where is their lack of ease. Um, if I can work with optimal performance and help those people, I can look at where is someone not optimal. Jesus like in John 10, my sheep know my voice and others they will not follow if we really understand health and that could be unique to you so it is personalized i do think that um, the th- same thing that might work for me may not work for you but it's a it's a journey and it's um it's unique there are some principles i think guide it mm. um, i think sleep light nutrition are big ones um, mm. so sleep if we're not sleeping optimally we are not being renewed the way that we're called to um, you know. Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of our, our mind. So a lot of people take that and that is through God's word, I think is, and his presence and time and prayer and the word. However, we actually do renew our minds at night. Mm. Um, our glymphatic, <laughs> not our lymphatic, our glymphatic system, we actually flush toxins out of our brain and new um, resources and nutrients come into our brain at night, it's it's fascinating. And we need to actually dip into the right cycles of sleep to do that. So optimizing sleep, um, you know, and I'm really grateful for this conversation because I found a lot of what I know about health before I studied maybe some of the studies that exist on it through podcasts. In fact, mm-hmm. um, I met Jesus only a few months before I found um, health podcasts that did radically help my life. Um, if had been the other way around, I actually am kind of concerned where I would have ended up. I think I would have taken it too far. So right. let's try to live. I went to a conference recently where um, there are people that are alive that believe they are going to live forever. Right. Um, <laughs> and it's almost become a religion of yeah. itself. And so I'm grateful to see that and realize hmm. I, don't, I don't want that. However, right. I do want to live the life that I'm called to. So a really practical one would be morning sun. Um, I'm already trying to spend time in the word every day getting barefoot on the ground, unfiltered sun. We know that unfiltered sun around 7 a.m. or whenever the sun rises, that we say seven to 10. Unfiltered sun, at least 15 minutes, ideally more like 30, Um, between seven and 10 is the best way to actually release melatonin 12 hours later before bed. Um, So getting, and when I say unfiltered, I mean no sunglasses, ideally um, no sunscreen even at that point. so this would be not just looking, you know, not just for your eyes, but your skin as well. Your skin, we have photoreceptors in our eyes and our skin. Um, and actually that does include, if you can catch the sunset and the sun sunrise and sunset, there's even more benefits. Um, but it's one of the best ways to reset circadian rhythms, meaning um, our sleep-wake cycles. Mm-hmm. So I think a really practical way to align with the natural approach is to get outside in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I like to do it, um, you know, with, time in the word. That's kind of how I time it. And it works Mm -hmm. into my day, but it also serves me physically, spiritually, mentally in Mm -hmm. so many ways. So Mm -hmm. really practical one. Another one, uh, would be, you know, I do think movement is important. Um, I also think it's very practical, especially and take someone with you. I don't think you have to do something that you have to go to the gym. If you don't like going to the gym, there's so many ways to find, um, we do release, you know, endorphins and things like that while working out. And, uh, just the, the idea that we're breaking down the body to build it back up. It's just amazing to be able to mm-hmm. even just know that that process is happening, that we're mm-hmm. being renewed and that we're actually getting stronger. Um, I wrote down a few. I mean, I know he said discipleship and disciple making are different. Um, in terms of, of disciple making, a lot of people look at this verse. Um, in First Timothy, Paul does tell Timothy to drink a little bit of wine for his stomach and his constant ailments. Now, mm-hmm. the the principle I would draw from that is that Um, You know, Timothy had kind of entrusted his spiritual health, I would say, in a lot of ways his life to Paul, Mm -hmm. and he gave just practical advice. So Mm -hmm. I think um, what it tells me is that we should be discussing our health. You know, like when you Mm -hmm. and I get together, it is is healthy to talk about, Mm -hmm. um, hey, I'm doing cold showers this month, and I'm using this type of blue blocker glasses to limit my blue light exposure at night, which is another very practical tip. Mm -hmm. Um, So if we so I think the eyes are very important. Um, mm. I have good vision, I've never had visual issues, but I do notice if my eyes get tired, the rest of my body follows. So I've been looking at really how do I enhance that um, to enhance my, my energy, therefore my um, willpower, therefore my ability to serve in the way that God's called me to. Yeah. Um, so light's one that I think we're just on, it's now getting popular, but photo, bio photo modulation is a, an easy one that almost anyone can influent,
1: um, influence their health Without yeah. taking a pill or doing anything different, yeah, I think I think uh, th- that's that's really good. So basically, sleep, uh, light exposure at at the right time of day, and then movement, staying active, trying to be more active. It's it's so interesting that I think our modern world, um, kind of works against all three of those. Yes, and I I don't want to be a spiritual conspiracy theorist, <laughs> but I truly believe that the modern world is 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 really wrecking people's lives. Sure. And I, I absolutely think that there's a spiritual dimension to that. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, computer screens are of the devil because they, you know, they, they damage your eyes, but I am saying that, it's all part of life, this life that God has given us. And so we want to be wise, we want to be good stewards. Well, we're gonna keep you on here for a few more minutes because we're gonna do a a little bit of a bonus episode on following Christ in your 20s and especially as a single person. So Mm. uh, folks will get to hear a little bit more from you, but I really appreciate you coming on. I I hope that we hear a lot of feedback, Uh, we'll put some information in the show notes here where people mm. can learn more about you and your work and connect more with you uh, and I would love to hear what people think about this idea of our bodies being uh, an important part of what we're supposed to steward and what we're and how we're supposed to to worship Christ um, so that we can share him with others so thanks for coming on today brother we'll do it again can I share one um, just kind of encouragement yeah. I think and
0: you know, we talked in a lot of directions. Like God has created you uniquely and amazingly, um, you being those who are listening, and you, Andrew. Um, but I really think that we, no matter whether it's you maybe haven't thought about your your health, your physical health, and how it applies to your spiritual walk, or maybe you've over prioritized, just like when I was, my physical abilities and health. No matter where you are, um, Jesus loves you, and He's created you uniquely in that way. And so. Um, and now you get to be faithful. And wherever you, you find yourself, there there probably is a next step to take, whether it be less working out or less um, putting chemicals in your body to end up looking a certain way. Mm. Um, or there might be a step you can take in better stewardship. Um, but yeah, I think that no matter where you're on the spectrum, it's not, uh, we're not saying there's a right way to do it. Right. But, um, and I do actually believe your faith can guide some of that. So that's where it's all tied together and yeah, We'll provide like my Instagram and things. People, I'm happy to
1: have these types of conversations. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a. I'm glad you shared that at the end because I do think, I do think for some of us, we may be too focused on the physical side of life at the expense of of truly following Jesus the way He wants us to. Mm. Uh, and then I think for a lot of us, we're not stewarding the physical side of our of our person very well, and we may not even be aware of how that's preventing us or what that's costing us in terms of uh, following Jesus. So I do appreciate you sharing that. And all of us kind of need, need to do that self-assessment to find out um, what the what the appropriate next step would be. All right, brother. Hey, thanks again. And uh, we'll do it again soon. Awesome. Thank you.